0: Today we're looking in the book of James, chapter number 1. The book of James, chapter number 1. We're going to read verse number 22 for our beginning this morning as we begin a brand new series, brand new series beginning this morning. And we're using for uh, the foundation of this series, we're looking at James chapter 1 and verse 22. And James writes, and I like James. I think his name ought to be Mike. He's very straightforward. He just tells it like it is. I like James. Amen. Maybe it was James Michael. I don't know. But James says, in James chapter 1 and verse number 22, he says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I think James was probably saying, just do it. Just do it. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your incredible, your infallible, your your powerful, your miracle-working Word. Once again today, I pray the anointing of the Holy Spirit will rest upon the message. The messenger, Lord, give us ears upon our heart to hear the Word. But God, even as James said, may we not just be hearers of your Word, but may we be doers of your Word. Father, all of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, all of God's people said, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Well, you can be reseated this morning. Well, Nike says, maybe Nike borrowed it from James, I don't know, but Nike says, just do it. Well, today we're going to begin a brand new series based on this premise. Now, in this series, we're going to talk about some things that we ought to start doing And we're going to talk about some things that we need to stop doing. In other words, just do it. We're going to begin today with the first thing that we should stop doing. And that is we need to stop blaming. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop blaming. Let's look in uh, Genesis chapter number 3. The beginning of a game that people have been playing ever since Adam and Eve, and it is the blame game. Genesis chapter 3, let's read the first 13 verses. The Bible says that the serpent, or the devil, was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, oh, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. The serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. See, God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? That's where it starts. Right here. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. And I, let's look at this uh, thing called blame. This thing that all of us are pretty good at. First of all, I want us to look and I want us to talk a little bit about who we blame. Who we blame. Now, some people blame other people. When God questioned Adam and Eve about their disobedience, they both began to blame everyone but themselves for their actions. Adam said, the woman you gave me, it's all her fault. Some people blame other people. Uh, It's my parents' fault. Oh, it's my big brother or my big sister's fault. Uh, Oh, it's because of my friend or it's because of my teacher or, or it's because of my boss. Some even blame the pastor. Some people blame other people. Some people blame God. Can you imagine that? Some people actually blame God. Adam said, Adam said, the woman, he's talking to God, and Adam said, the woman you gave to me. She gave me the forbidden fruit. God, Adam said, it's really, it's really your fault. You gave me Eve. She was your idea. She was your creation. I, I was doing fine. I was doing fine before you placed her in my life. God, it's, it's your fault. How often do we blame God for our failures? God, you called me to this. God, it was you that opened the door. God, you allowed this to happen. As incredible as it may seem, some people literally and actually blame God for their actions. And if we're not blaming man, and if we're not blaming God, some people blame the devil. That's what Eve did. She said to God, It was it was the serpent. It was the serpent. The serpent deceived me. What she said was, The devil made me do it. And mankind has blamed the devil for their inappropriate actions ever since. Here's what we need to understand this morning, and that is the devil can't make us do anything. Oh, he can tempt us, yes. He can entice us, yes. If we will allow him to, he can deceive us. But what we need to understand is that the devil is a created being just like you are and just like I am today. He has power, but he does not have unlimited power. The Bible says that the devil is a limited being and that God is his limiter. Stop blaming. Stop blaming everyone and everything for your actions turn to your neighbor and say just do it all right we've talked about who who we often blame now let's talk a little bit about why why we blame why do we blame why do we play the blame game well one reason why we blame is to avoid personal responsibility look with me in Matthew chapter 7 one of my very favorite scriptures I love Jesus, don't you? But I love him for a different reason than you do. Because some of you got the wrong idea of who Jesus was and who Jesus is. He's not a little mealy mouth thing. He doesn't beat around the bush. He's a James too. And I love what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verses 3 through 5. Jesus said, oh, this is hilarious. Jesus was funny. He was. Jesus said, why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank that is in your own eye? That's funny. He goes on to say, or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, you have a plank in your own eye. Hypocrite. I guess Jesus was a bulldog. Hypocrite. I've never called anybody a hypocrite. I've, I've wanted to before, but I've never done it. Hypocrite. First, Jesus said, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's. people point out the faults and flaws in others in hopes of diverting attention away from their own faults and their own flaws. See, the Bible says that all have sinned and all fall short of God's standard for our life. See, see there's not a perfect person in this room today And yet we love to set ourselves up as judge and jury over everybody else in their life. Well, here's what I've come I've come to know. You listen, hear me this morning. You might not struggle with a sin I struggle with, and I might not struggle with the sin that you struggle with, but the truth of the matter is we all struggle. We're all a work in progress. Some of us that are at a different stage than the others, some are further along than others. And there's a whole lot of people that ought to be further down the road than they are. Hear me this morning, hear me, hear me clearly. None of us are saved because we never sin. But all of us are saved because we have a Savior. I'm not saved today because I'm good. I'm not saved today because I'm perfect. I'm not saved today because I do everything right. I'm not saved today because I cross every T and dot every I. I'm saved today for one reason and one reason alone, and that is I'm saved because I have a Savior. Amen. Jesus did for me what I could never do for myself. Stop blaming everyone else but yourself for your actions. Stop avoiding personal responsibility by pointing out the flaws and imperfections of somebody else. Jesus said, Jesus said, deal with your own imperfections first. And only when you get yourself right, only then are you ready to deal with the imperfections of others. And here's what I know this morning, and that is that day will never come. Talk about why we blame others this morning. Here's another reason. It's a learned behavior. A learned behavior. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Eve watched her husband Adam play the blame game with God. So when God turned to her for her answer, she played the blame game that she learned From her husband. Verse 13. Then the Lord said to the woman, what What is that you have done? Notice Eve's response. The woman said, the serpent, he deceived me. The devil made me do it, she said. Why do we blame everyone and everything besides ourselves for our actions? It's a learned behavior. The last part of Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 6 says the glory of children is their father. Kids imitate their parents. They take on the behavior, they take on the traits, they take on the responses of their parents. And this is why it is so very important what you say and how you act around your children. And let me just throw this in while I'm here, no extra charge. You cannot have roasted pastor and fried worship team for lunch every Sunday and expect your kids to grow up loving the church and wanting to be a part of it once they move out of your house. One of the reasons why people act and react the way they do is because they saw it modeled through the lives of their parents. It's a learned behavior. Well, the reason why people play the blame game is because they were taught the blame game by their parents. Turn to your neighbor or your person sitting next to you and say, ouch. I'm talking about why people blame Why people play the blame game? First of all, they do it to avoid personal responsibility. Sometimes they do it because it is a learned behavior. And another reason, the third reason why they do it oftentimes, and that is to try to escape the consequences of their actions. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8, it talks about the law of sowing and reaping. I'm going to remind you of the three laws of the harvest. I give them to you periodically, but there's new people all the time and that have never heard this, and you need to be reminded of it. It's very, very, very important. So I'm going, to, I'm going to cover it again this morning. Three laws of the harvest. The first law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. It's a law. You reap what you sow. The seeds you sow will determine the harvest you reap. So if you sow good seeds, you're going to reap a good harvest. If you sow bad seeds, you are going to to reap a bad harvest. It's a law. I, I believe that my wife and I, we are personally in the harvest time of our life right now. Uh, I I believe that we have have been sowing good seeds for 45 years. I mean, we've sowed money, we've sowed time, we've sowed obedience, and today we are reaping a harvest from all of the seeds we have sown. Recently, I began to count my blessings, and I began to think i don't deserve all of the, all of the blessings that I have in my life I don't deserve all of the good things that are happened, happening to me in my life. I actually had that thought, but I don't know if it was just me or it was the Holy Spirit that reminded me of the fact that forty five years of planting good seeds now we are reaping a harvest from the seeds that we have planted. Understand this this morning that you will reap what you have first law of the harvest you reap what you sow law number two you reap more than you sow what what, what good is it to sow if if all you're going to get back is what you sow no you reap more than you sow one apple seed I looked this up the other day Your techie pastor, look this up. One apple seed planted can grow an apple tree that will produce up to 12,000 apples. One little bitty tiny apple seed. Just one. Just one little tiny apple seed. If you plant it in good soil, that one little tiny seed can grow up to be an apple tree, amen, that will bear 12,000 apples in the lifetime of that tree. But not just that. Think about all of the apples that are going to be at those 12,000 apples and all of the seeds that are in those apples. And if the seeds that are in those 12,000 apples, if they are planted, those seeds are going to produce uh, apple trees again. Can you imagine what? and tap and what can take place, amen, from one little bitty tiny seed. Maybe you think, you know, what I'm doing doesn't matter. What I'm doing is no big deal. Listen, it doesn't take a whole lot. God doesn't need a whole lot to bless you with. He just needs something. And I promise you this morning, if you'll just plant a little bitty tiny seed and you'll take care of that seed, I believe that God will even take that tiniest seed and God will give you a harvest that will be beyond what you could ever imagine, dream, or hope for. The seeds we sow will multiply when they return to us by way of the harvest. But I also want you to understand that this is true. This is true of both good and bad seeds. What are the three laws of the harvest? Well, you reap what you sow. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. You're going to reap, number two, you're going to reap more than you sow. The third law of the harvest is you will reap later than you sow. See, some of you plant the seed today and expect the harvest tomorrow. It doesn't happen like that. See, it's seed, time, harvest. We reap later than we sow. And here in this one, I want you to get this. If you don't get the rest of this message, get the next five minutes. Hear me this morning, just because you can't see the harvest doesn't mean there will not be a harvest. I remember many years ago now, it's been many years ago, my wife and I bought a brand new house. It was the first brand new house we ever bought. And it didn't have a yard. Some people in our church bought a house in the same neighborhood actually right across the street. It also a brand new house and it didn't have a yard. I just called a work day at the church and had the church plant me a yard. Amen. <laughs> work smarter, not harder. I actually didn't do that. Actually, it was Pastor Appreciation Month. And actually, the youth came over and planted my yard for me. That's not the story. The young couple that were in our church that bought the house across the street from us that did not have a, a yard. This this man, this young man, planted his yard. He didn't bring sod in. He planted the seed. He planted the seed in his yard. And it was funny. Every day I would watch him early in the morning. He'd get up early in the morning and he'd go out and he would, you know, he would, he would water his yard or fertilize his yard or whatever. But he would look at his yard. He's looking. He's looking for, he's looking for some sign that there's a harvest coming up. And he was so excited about growing his own yard and having his own grass that he grew himself. And I'll never forget one day I looked out there and his name was Terry. And I looked out there and Terry was down on all fours. He was on his belly and he was looking at his yard. He's looking for any sign. Even one little bitty blade of grass. He's just looking for something. And I'll never forget one day I looked out there and here he is and he's looking and he's looking and he jumps up and you can just tell he's all excited because he sees a harvest coming. He sees a few blades of grass. Just because you can't see the harvest doesn't mean there's not going to be a harvest. I have a word for two different types of people here today. First of all, I have a word to those of you who have planted a lot of good seeds in your life. You've loved God. You've been a consistent tither. You've been a generous giver. You've, you've, you've done your best to live according to the teaching of Scripture. You've, you've served faithfully in some ministry of the church. You've sown so many good seeds, and yet and yet, you have not, you have not experienced your harvest. In fact, you can't even see any signs of a coming harvest. I have a word for you today and Here is the word for you today. Listen, this morning, just because you can't see a harvest doesn't mean there will not be a harvest. And the word of the Lord to somebody here today is, there is a harvest coming. You will reap from the seeds that you have sown. And the word for you today is, the harvest that is coming will far surpass what you ever dreamed or thought or hoped it would be. And your word for today is Galatians 6 and verse 9. Do not grow weary while doing good, for you... For in due season you will reap if you don't give up. Just because you can't see the harvest doesn't mean there's not going to be a harvest. If you planted the seed, amen, the harvest is coming. Somebody needs to get a hold of that this morning. I also have a word for another type of person here today. You also have planted seeds, bad seeds. Evil seeds, sinful seeds. You too have seen no harvest from the seeds that you have sown. Well, here is your word today. Just because you can't see the harvest doesn't mean the harvest will not come just as a good harvest comes from planting good seeds, so a bad harvest comes from planting bad seeds. You may think that you're getting away with the sinful seeds that you have planted, but here's your word for today, and your word for today is Galatians 6 and 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, Mocked for whatsoever a man sows that, he will also reap, and he that sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap. So you may think you're getting by with your sin. You may think, oh, I'm getting away with the bad seeds that I've sown. But the word of the Lord says, when there are seeds planted, there's a harvest coming. Just because you cannot see the harvest does not mean there's not a harvest coming. There's a harvest coming for every seed that we have planted. People often blame others trying to escape the consequences of their own actions. The truth of the matter is, it will not work. The three laws of the harvest work every single time you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. Our new series is called Just Do It. Turn to your neighbor and say, Just do it. Say it with some attitude. Put a little James Michael in it. There are some things that we need to start doing and there are some things that we need to stop doing. Today, we're talking about we need to stop blaming. So far, we've talked about who we blame. We've talked about why we blame. Let's finish today by talking about what we should do instead. What should we do? If we're not going to blame others, we're not going to blame The devil, we're not going to blame God. What should we do? What what should we do instead? Well, let me suggest three things. The first thing I think we ought to do, and that is we need to learn from our mistakes. Learn from our mistakes. And the truth is, everybody makes mistakes. If If you never make any mistakes, that make you perfect, and there's only one perfect being, and he is called God. But here's what I've learned from working with people for nearly 45 years. And that is we are quick to point out the mistakes of others, but slow to acknowledge our own. And the mistakes of others seem far more severe to us than our own. And when somebody else messes up, we want the book thrown at them. But when we mess up, we cry out for mercy. And we seem to make the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. What should we do about our mistakes? What should we do when we fail? Stop blaming and start taking responsibility for our actions. Stop blaming and start examining the situation. Start asking ourselves some very pointed questions. Questions like, Uh, why why did I react the way I did? Questions like, did I provoke the situation? Questions like, have I been in this situation before? Have I been there, done that, bought the t-shirt? What am I doing here again? It's okay if you're in a mess. God can help you out of a mess. not okay if it's the same mess you're always getting into. Have I been in this situation before? Good question. If so, how did I respond? And what was the outcome? And do I want the same outcome again? And if not, how should I respond? And what can I do next time to help ensure a better Outcome. What can I learn from this experience? Take ownership of the situation. Apologize if you need to. Plant different seeds if you want a different harvest. Remind yourself of Romans 8 and 28. The Bible says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those that love God and to those that are called according to His purpose. See, although we all make mistakes, we don't have to keep making the same mistakes. And as we mature and as we learn from our mistakes, our mistakes can begin to become fewer and farther apart. See, that's one of the marks of maturity, not that you don't make mistakes, but but you don't make the same mistakes, and, and, and the mistakes that you make are fewer, and they are farther apart. I don't know about you, but I don't shoot myself in the foot quite as often as I used to. What should we do instead of playing the blame game? First of all, we should learn from our mistakes. And then also, we should, then we should lean on the Lord for strength. Lean on the Lord for strength. Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Let me ask you this question this morning as a parent. Think about this morning. As a parent, what would you do? What would you do if your child came to you and said, "I'm I'm really struggling in this one particular area of my life. Would you help me? Would you help me with this area in my life I'm struggling with?" What would you do if your kid came to you like that? May I ask you this morning? Would you chastise them for having a weakness? Would you put a guilt trip on them for being weak in this area? How dare you be weak in this area? You're my kid. Would you make light of them and tell them, ah, you're not really weak? No, no, what would you do? Or, or would you do everything in your power to help them in that area? How many would do that? Amen. Got a few good parents out there. Amen. What should we do instead of playing the blame game? We should own our weaknesses and take it to our Heavenly Father and say to Him, Father, I'm struggling in this particular area. Father, I can't do this on my own. Father, I need Your help. I need You. I I need to lean upon You. Oh, the psalmist said in Psalm 18 and verse 6, he said, I called upon the Lord. Oh, to my God, I cried out for help. And He heard my voice, my cry to Him. Him, reached his ears not only should we learn from our mistakes not only should we lean on the Lord for, for strength Then number three and finally we need to loose ourselves from condemnation Romans 8 and 1 says there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus to those who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit Hear me clearly this morning. Tune back in if you tuned out. Tune back in for this. This is good too. There's someone else we need to stop blaming. Ourselves. Ourselves. Some people heap condemnation on themselves. People have forgiven them. God has forgiven them. But they, for whatever reason, they seemingly, they cannot forgive themselves. Because of that, they constantly rehearse their failures over and over and over again in the theater of their mind. They continually and constantly heap condemnation upon themselves and this condemnation paralyzes them and keeps them frozen in time. Everybody else has moved on. Oh yes, I said it. I'll say it again. We should own our mistakes. We should own our Failures, we should not play the blame game. But once we have dealt properly with the situation, we have repented to both God and man. Now it is time to loose ourselves from condemnation. Paul said, there is therefore now. When? There is therefore now no condemnation. How much condemnation? There is therefore now no condemnation to everybody. No, not to everybody. To them that are in Christ Jesus. To them that have placed their faith, their trust, their hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross. There's no condemnation. Listen, if you're a child of the king today, if you have placed your trust and hope and faith in the blood of Jesus and in the power of the cross for your salvation, and you have have condemnation this morning, that is of the evil one, that is not of God, because there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, but not only them that are in Christ Jesus, but he goes on to say that walk in the spirit and not walk in the flesh. somebody's here today, I don't know who it is, but somebody is here today and others have forgiven you and everybody else has forgiven you, but for whatever reason, you cannot forgive yourself. The word of the Lord to you today is and that is stop blaming. Don't, stop blaming. Don't even blame yourself because there has one that has already taken the blame for you. His name is Jesus Christ. He's already paid the price for you on the cross. Amen. He's saved you. He's redeemed you. He's put his, your name in the Lamb's book of life. He's not going to erase your name from that book. Amen. He can't wait to see you and spend eternity with you. Amen. He doesn't want you condemning yourself. He doesn't want you walking in guilt today. He wants to free you. He wants to give you liberty. He wants you to walk in liberty and walk in peace. That's the word of the Lord for somebody here today. Our takeaway for the day is this playing the blame game is a choice. Playing the blame game is a choice. Instead of taking responsibility, Adam chose to blame the woman and even God. Instead of taking responsibility for her actions, Eve chose because she learned it from her husband. He taught her, taught her well. She blamed the serpent. That's what they chose to do. Are you choosing to play the blame game today? Playing the blame game is a choice, not only is it a choice, it's a poor one. And here's the reason and that is because no one wins when this game is played. No one wins when this game is played. Stop playing the blame game. Just do it. Father, I pray that you'll take this word this morning that has been spoken under the anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit, even the spirit of prophecy that has come forth this morning for some. God, I pray that you will honor it today. I pray that your people will embrace it today, receive it, accept it, choose to take it, stand upon it today.